Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Psalm chapter 34 is where I want us to begin uh, because we're talking about trusting in the Lord. We've been singing about it because I have it in my heart. You know, one of the things that the Lord told me last October, and it's been a year, and I'm still not done ministering in this homework that he gave me. He said to me, October the 9th of last year, he said, we're entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. Haven't you seen that to be true? You know, there are some things that are on this list he gave me that we've been focusing on. And then I look at some things we've encountered and I think, wow, I'm glad God warned us so that we could be fortified in these truths before we had to walk through them. He said, know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. Not, we don't want to be wondering, just, you know, hit and miss. Is it God? Is it not God? It's possible to know it's God without any hesitation. I, I, I'm, that's my goal. I'm a long way from where I used to be, but I'm not, I'm not where I want to be yet, Amen. where that's concerned. So I'm, I, I want to be so skilled in knowing his promptings and knowing his leadings and knowing so that I don't need any outside evidence to move on. Now, I've got, I've got the inward witness and it's enough. Amen? But that's not what we're talking about tonight. The next thing he said was practice obedience. Practice obedience, which is, that's a step further than don't be disobedient. <laughs> yeah, of course, don't be disobedient. But he says, no, practice obedience. That's, that's a different attitude. That's, he, that's listening for an instruction so that you can be a doer of it. That's looking for a scripture to say, I'm going to put that to work today. I'm going to act on that one today. So he said, practice obedience. He said, develop humility and the love walk. That those need to be developed. They're not automatic. The heart is filled with the love of God. He has shed abroad his love in our heart, but that doesn't mean you're always yielding to it. So there's that skill in yielding to the love walk, developing that humility and developing your walk of love. Then he said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And I think pastor's on week 20 of, of the fruit of peace. And the more he looks at it, the more he sees and the more we get to see. Amen? So the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then he said to me, the trust in God, his ways, and his word. They are safeguards, trusting in God, trusting in God's ways, and trusting in God's word. Those are safeguards. Psalm 34, verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. None 
who trust in him shall be desolate. Can you show me the amplified? What does that word desolate mean to you? Have you ever look, looked at something and, and you would describe maybe a, um, a, a, an area that is like a desert, uh, like it's just forsaken? And you would say, there's nothing there, right? It's desolate. There, there's, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no vegetation. There's no uh, water supply. That area is just desolate. It's just nothingness for as far as the eye can see. It says in uh, the Amplified, none of those who take refuge and trust in him shall be condemned or held guilty. Wow. None who trust in him shall be condemned or held, held guilty. Hallelujah. So trusting in the Lord is, is a spiritual activity. Trusting in the Lord is not something that you do out of the mind. It's not a mental activity. Although your mind will be employed in the trust, because you've got to guard the mind. You've got to keep the mind focused on what God said, but trusting is from the heart. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and you don't lean to the mind. You don't lean to the understanding. The trusting is something that is a, it's a relationship activity. It is an activity that comes from uh, knowing him, the more you know him, the easier it is to trust him, right? The more you know about him, the, the stronger or the more stable your trust in him is because you know things about him. Like, you know, God is not a man that he should lie. So if God can't lie, can you trust somebody who cannot lie, right? So, so knowing character traits about him and, and putting your trust in those aspects that are revealed to you about who God is. God is truth. His word is truth. His word isn't opinion. His word isn't, isn't changeable because his word is truth. His word is structured truth. And so can you trust in his word? Because remember, what's the safeguard? What's gonna keep me safe? Trusting in God, trusting in his ways, and trusting in his word. So trusting in God is a spiritual activity. I'm gonna do it with my heart. I'm gonna do this trust with my spirit, but to maintain that trust, I need to establish the light of who God is. I need, to, I need to put that firm foundation of his character in place in my understanding so that when thoughts come, I have something to raise up a standard against the thoughts. Amen. When feelings come, I have something to anchor me in the, in the storm of the feelings. I have something when the situations are rocking around me, when everything seems to be falling apart, I need an anchor. 
I need, I need something that's gonna hold me together spiritually. Because remember, he said, our part is to hold fast. Remember, he said, there's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a tore up from the floor up kind of fight where I'm always looking like I'm, I'm, no, no, no. He said, it's a good fight. Well, you know, I've never been in a good fight that I lost. I've been in a couple of fights in my life before Christ, and none of them that I considered to be good did I lose. Now, the ones that I considered to be a good fight were the ones that I came out the winner, right? He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So the good fight of faith is not a fight to get faith. It's a fight in which faith is the tool that I use. Faith is the weapon that I use. And faith works by love. So do you see I'm talking about spiritual forces? Not just, not just my will making confessions about how it's going to be. No, these confessions have to be born of my spirit. My time in the word will put the words in my mouth that need to come forth in that moment. If I'm just putting words in my mouth out of what I want to come to pass out of that situation, those words are not equipped. Those words don't have the force of faith. It's not words that move mountains. It's faith-filled words. Because he said, yes, you've got to speak to that mountain, be that removed and be cast into the sea, but you've got to believe in your heart the things which you speak. And so if you're just speaking them because you're trying to use words to make, you know, Satan did that. Satan said, I will exalt my throne. Not, not that anybody's trying to right. copycat him, but he, he didn't have faith in what he was saying. There was, no, there was no basis for faith for what he said. He said, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. Why was he saying that? Because he thought he could use his words to move his situation but his words didn't have any faith in them because he had no basis for what he was saying. All his, uh, his words, the, what was in them was pride. What was in them was his want, what he wanted. But that's not what moves mountains. So just because I want it and I say it doesn't mean that's what's making it happen. There has to be a basis for it. There has to be scripture for it. Yeah. So what, what comes out of my mouth that's effective was born of the word I put in my heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just the mouth speaking isn't profitable if the words in my heart aren't the words of God. If the meditation of my heart is the meditation that comes from the light, that comes from, thus saith the Lord, that comes from this substance of God's word. If I put that in my heart, then the right things will be in my mouth to move the situation. And you know what? If it's the, the origin is the word of God in my heart, then the words that I say are gonna produce the will of God. Amen. He said, my word will not return to me empty. Is that what he said in Isaiah 55? My word will not return empty. They will, my words, God said, the words that I, have, that I have originated, the words that I have authored, they will produce my will. They will, they will cause what I want to come to pass. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So any time that I find myself feeling like I'm banging my head against a spiritual wall, I've learned to back up and look inside my heart and say, what's in there? Am I full of, of the confusion about the situation? And am I full of anxiety about the situation? What am I, it, it's, is what's coming out of my mouth authored by this word or is it authored by my meditation on the problem? Hallelujah. We're talking about the spiritual act of trusting God. So to trust in the Lord, it's not something I just um, decide to do separate from his word. For me to really trust God, this is necessary. This scripture, this word, this word is necessary because I can't trust him if I don't know him. And the only way for me to really know him is through his word. Amen. You know, when Adam and Eve fell from the original plan of God, the way God created them, they had access to the knowledge of God before the fall. So the lie and the deception of Satan was that God was trying to withhold knowledge. They could understand anything they asked God about. If they didn't know it, they could have asked God and they could have known it by asking God, by seeking him. But when Satan said, God's trying to hold knowledge back from you, that was a lie because God had already provided them with access to revelation knowledge. They could have known anything they needed to know by asking God. You and I have been returned to revelation knowledge through Jesus Christ. There's not anything that you need to know that God's going to withhold from you. Amen. He said, seek me. Ask. He said, if you'll search for wisdom like it's silver. Let's say I said to you, Brother James, in your backyard is buried $100,000 worth of treasure. Would you say, oh, that's nice. Would you go and kick some dirt? $100,000, let me just see, let me move, let me take my toe. Let me take my toe and just move it around. You got $100,000 on your property. You know it's there. The person who told you guaranteed that $100,000 is on your property. It's buried in your, are, are, you, are you just going to take a little shovel and scoot around the topsoil about, five inches down, or are we going to go digging, right? God said, get wisdom, get understanding, search for it like it's a treasure because it's yours, it's available to you, but it's not laying up on the top of the soil. It's not laying up there on the top. You might find a little bit here and there. You know, I heard there's like a diamond field somewhere here in Arkansas, and every once in a while you'll hear about Somebody found a little diamond. They found a diamond. But the, the real riches are down. There's veins. There's veins of, of, of gold. There's veins of silver. There's, there's like, they invest the money to make the machinery to go down. Why? Because there is an abundant supply 
as they dig down and find it. There's a, there's a supply of wisdom for every area of your life. God knows how to fix whatever problem you're facing today. But it's not, it's not just laying up on top of the soil. You're going to have to seek the Lord. You're going to have to go to him and you're going to have to say, Lord, you know, and I don't. So show me. Open the eyes of my understanding. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to change. Show me, Lord, because I'm, I, why would you go to him and ask that? I'm trusting in him. I'm trusting in him. So I'm saying, I don't have all the answers, but I know you do. And because I'm trusting in you, I'm seeking you. Because I'm trusting in you, I'm looking in your word because I trust that you have an answer for me here. I trust that if I, can, if I can see what you want me to see, I can change what I need to change. I can fix what I need to fix. So I'm trusting in you. Hallelujah. So trusting is beneficial, but it is a spiritual activity and it's going to require your relationship with God to take a priority in your life because for you to trust him the way you need to trust him, you're going to have to know him in a greater way than you know him right now. Do you think you know all about God that you can know? Do you think you've, you've learned everything about him? Listen, there are cherubim and seraphim flying around in heaven that are still seeing things about God they've never seen, and it is causing and provoking in them fresh praise every time they go around and say, holy, holy. That's not rehearsed holy, 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 holy. They're not up there just with rehearsed random uh, holy expressions. Those are true expressions of seeing an aspect of God that provokes in them a fresh praise. And so you and I, the more that, you know, I said it earlier, pastor keeps looking at the topic of peace. And every time he looks at it, he sees something he's never seen before. There are things that he's preaching that they're fresh to him. He's getting them and bringing them straight to us. Why? Because he's looking, and the more that he looks, God magnifies it. God opens up more. And, and for him to see what he sees opens him up for the next thing of what he's going to see. So for you to understand division, you had to understand addition and subtraction. Right? They didn't teach division first. They taught addition first. And when you understand the addition, and then you understand how subtraction works, and then you understand how the multiplication, you you begin to see each of them builds on the next. A, B, C start with this is the A, and this is the sound the A makes. A for apple. There's a long A sound. It can say A or it can say ah. Now let's look at B. And then they go through B. 
And so that first year, they start, they go through the year, A, one week, B, the next week, C, the next week. They're going through all the letters. And then they say, now we can take C and we can put it with A and we can put a T behind it. And now let's sound it out. Right, well, they weren't ready for cat when they were just looking at it and saying, what's that? I don't know what that is. That's a C. For me to understand C-A-T makes cat, I have to first understand that C is C. A can say ah. T is T. Now, oh, they form words. Do you see? Every, every aspect of God that you learn is preparing you for something he wants to show you about himself that you haven't seen yet. Amen. So if you come to every service, if you come to every study time, every personal time with God, and you say, Lord, I'm here to see something new. And the next day he shows you, he's rehearsing so he can prepare you Amen. to see something more. Yes, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So I love the example that we see of Moses. Because Moses, he sees the bush burning. He sees the bush burning. And God was looking to see what he would do when he saw the bush burning. And he noticed it and he turned aside to look closer at it. And because he turned, then God, showed, God began to speak to him because he got a response out of him. Because how we respond to those promptings of God leads us into more. And so he turns and God begins to speak to him and Moses hides his face from God. Here he is in the glory that is at the stage or the level of a burning bush. He hides him, his face from God. But he didn't stop there in his relationship with God. He continued walking with the Lord until he came to a place in his relationship with God where he knew God in a greater way. And he says, Lord, Show me your glory, not, fight, not, not hiding my face anymore. I want to see, and I want to know. Show me your glory. And God takes him and says, well, you can't see my face, but I'll, I'll pass by you, and I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll pass by you, and I'll show you my glory. Do you see how he had gone from hiding his face to wanting more of God. He said, show me your glory. Amen. So let's look at that, Exodus 34. Hallelujah. Exodus 34, and let's look at verse 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, this is what God is saying. God is walking by and he is introducing himself. 
He is, he is defining who he is. What did Moses ask for? Glory. God said, I'm going to show you my glory. Now, see, I thought God was going to show him brightness. I thought God was going to show him something shiny, glory, brilliance, brightness, blind my eyes kind of thing. But God said, my real glory is who I am. What causes the brightness originates from my character. What causes what, what seems so brilliant to the senses is really the purity of who I am. It's really the essence of who I am. And so I'm going to reveal glory by revealing who I am, revealing my character to you, revealing my steadfastness to you, my nature to you. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants us to know about him. He wants us to know him, not know just about him. He wants us to know about him, but he wants that just to be the precursor for us to come in to know him more. That I want to know him personally. That's what it says in Ephesians, that you would know from firsthand experience, the Amplified says, what, is, it, what can't be, be understood by just, by just hearing about it. First-hand experience, I know if you were to come to me and you would say, I don't believe that God saves drug addicts. Too late. You are too late. I know something about him that that, that person doesn't know. Person could say, well, I don't believe God heals today. You've come too late. I know something about him I've learned it from his word, but it's not just a head knowledge of something that went in as learning. I've re- it's been revealed to my heart. I know him as the strengthener. I know him as the source of wisdom. I know him as the one who, who helped me put things back together. I, I know him as the one who helped me even when I blew it. He helped me fix it. I know him as the one who has shown me mercy. And because of his mercy, he's helped me put things back right. I I've know him. And because I know him, I can receive that of him. If I don't know him that way, it's hard for me to receive that of him. So God says, I'm going to introduce you to who I really am. I'm going to define who I really am because you won't get this definition just by trying to figuring it out with your mind. You've got to let it be revealed to your heart. The Lord passed by for him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Hallelujah. This word merciful, he starts out with merciful. He declared, I am the Lord, merciful. In, in the original language, it would say Jehovah, Jehovah the merciful and gracious. God the merciful. The Lord the merciful. 
Hallelujah. That's one of the first things he wants us to know about him is his mercy. And I'll tell you, it's more than just him having pity on us and, and all have mercy. No, it's, it's not just a sense of, of, I feel sorry for them because they're just, you know, humans. No, this mercy is such an aspect of God's character that when they began to worship him for his mercy in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that's what they were singing. The Lord is good and his mercy endures. They were singing about the hesed of God, the mercy of God. This, it's, it's a word that means covenant love, steadfast love, a love that uh, is anchored in, in covenant. Uh, it's loyal love, loyal love. He said, I want you to know this about me. I am, I am merciful. It comes from the root word that means to love deeply or to have tender affection. Can you trust someone who is merciful? Who, can you trust someone who loves you so deeply? He is loyal to his love to you. Hallelujah. The root of our trust is the love that God has for us. Because when you know he loves you and you know love the way he loves you with. Because we're not talking about emotional love. We're not talking about a natural human love that's up here today and gone tomorrow. We're not talking about love is a battlefield. We're not talking about... Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? We're not talking about what the world has described love to be. We're talking about God who is love. God, he is love personified. God is loyal love. He is tender compassion. He loves deeply. He has such a tender affection towards us that he sent for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He so loved the world that he sacrificed and gave his very best. He so loved the world. He was so loyal in his love to the world that he gave his best. He gave his all. He paid the ultimate price. He laid it all on the line because God is love. Can you trust him? Hallelujah. He goes on and he says, I am gracious. I am gracious, and that word means I am inclined to extend favor or grace. And grace isn't something you deserve. Grace is is something he wants to give, but it's not given because I deserve it. If I think I deserve it, I can't get it. You can't show grace to someone who thinks they deserve it because then it's no longer grace. If you try to extend grace to someone and they say, oh, fine, thank you. You should have given me that. You might have meant for it to be grace, but they, in their demand and in their uh, requirement of it, it's no longer grace. They, they, it, 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 it cancels it out. We don't deserve everything we get In God's grace package, we don't deserve any of it. 
But he loved us so much. He provided it. Hallelujah. So in his grace, none of us deserve to be saved when we got saved. I did not deserve to be saved. I deserved everything I had coming to me. I deserved punishment. I deserved the wages of my sin. I, I, had, I had committed those sins. I had, I had violated God's word. I had transgressed that. I didn't deserve any of the forgiveness I got. I didn't deserve any of the cleansing I received. I, I didn't deserve any of it but I'm so glad I got it. I'm so grateful for it. Amen. I received it by faith, but I didn't do anything to pay for it. Jesus is the, the extension. It is his, his grace. So God says, I am inclined to extend favor and grace. He says, I am long suffering. The word means slow to anger, patient, God is long-suffering. He's patient with us. That's why we're still here. Because he's long-suffering. He's waiting for people to turn. It says that's why, he, the, because the Lord is long-suffering. He hasn't taken us out of here. He's patiently waiting for the harvest. There's a lot of seed in the ground. There's a lot of gospel in the, in the hearts of people. Amen. I'm glad. I'm, 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 I'm releasing my faith for people who I'm, I'm expecting because of the promise God has made to me about their salvation for them to come. I'm glad God's patient. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm glad he's patient. It says, I am abundant in goodness. Hallelujah. Abundant in goodness. This word means I am abundant in a zeal to love, a zeal to bestow benefits to others, an eager and ardent desire to bless. So God is, he has a zeal. You know, if you look at somebody and they have a zeal to do something, they're excited about it. They have a zeal to do it. You don't have to pump them up to do it. You don't have to prop them up to do it. You don't have to talk them into doing it. They're like, I am all in. So God says, I am all in about blessing you. I am all in about showing you goodness. I am, all, I am already there. You don't have to talk me into it. it is, I am zealous about bestowing benefits. I have an eager and ardent desire to bless you. Can you trust somebody who is abundant in goodness? Hallelujah. And then he says this about himself. He said, I'm abundant in goodness and truth. This word truth means stability, reliability, trustworthiness. He is abundant in trustworthiness. He is reliable. You, you can always go to him and he's never going to turn you away and say, I'm too busy. I've got too much on my plate to deal with you right now. Can you, can you see it? Amen. Can you see going to God and he's like, wait, I just, there's too much going on. Have you watched the news? Have you seen what they're doing? And, and, and I don't have time for you right now. No. no. He's like, come here, I've got time for you. Yeah. I've got time for your situation. I've got time for your situation. What you're going through, I've got time yeah. for that. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
I'm reliable. I'm reliable. I'm on your side. I'm reliable. Hallelujah. But you've got to know that about him. The devil is a liar. Did y'all know that? He's a liar. Do you know what he wants to lie to you about the most? The character of God. He wants to deceive you to make you think, God's not going to help you. You made this bed. You get to lay in it. Lie, that's a lie. It's not scripture, that's a lie. God said, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon me. Cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's like, come to me. If you're hungry, I'll give you to eat. If you're thirsty, I'll give you to drink. Come to me. What you need, I'll be that for you. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. If he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, he meant I will never leave you and I'll never forsake. That's what he meant. That's what he said. And he's reliable. So don't let your feelings, don't let the way it looks be an opportunity for the enemy to make you think God has let you down. He's your ever-present help when? In time of trouble. Hallelujah. But we need to know this about him. We need to know his steadfast love for us. And I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about I know that I know that I know that I'm convinced in my heart. I have faith in my heart and I trust in the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord. Why? Because he's faithful. He's reliable. Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Hallelujah. So we saw, he said, I am, I am Jehovah the merciful in his definition or his description to, to Moses. Here we see the word compassion. He is full of compassion in both the Greek language and the Hebrew language, New Testament and Old Testament. Those words are interchangeable. The word mercy and the word compassion, you can, you can change them out in both languages. Hallelujah. He said, I am full of compassion. I'm full of merciful. I, uh, mercy. I am God the merciful. I am God the compassionate. Hallelujah. The compassion of God is a display of his nature. 
So listen, listen. People who think God, that they are sinners in the hand of an angry God. You ever heard the title of that sermon? People who think that about God, they know they need God, but they don't want to go to God because he's an angry God in their estimation. And it keeps them from the help they need. But when you know him as compassionate, when you begin to meditate on his compassion, when you begin to see him as God the merciful, it, you'll recognize his help to you. You'll recognize how to go to him because you'll see him as God the merciful. Let's look at what compassion in uh, the ministry of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is that what he told Philip in John chapter 14? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I've come to show you the Father. Have I been so long with you that you, you don't know him? If you've seen me, you've seen him. Let's look at Jesus in Mark 1 and verse 40. It says, A leper came to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. God said, I want you to know I'm compassionate. I want you to know me as God the merciful. It was the first thing he identified about himself. Jesus is revealing the compassion, the mercy of God. He was moved with compassion. And what happened? Supernatural change took place. He put forth his hand. He touched him and said, I will. You be clean. So the power of God moved in this man's situation but it was the compassion of God that it flowed through. The power of God was released through the compassion of God in the minister, Jesus Christ. And the power of God moves in your life when you relate to your heavenly father as your compassionate father. Father, I know you love me. Whenever you are dealing with situations and they're heavy, they're hard, they're pressing against everything that you know about God, you need, to, you need to plant yourself in the knowledge that God loves me. And you need to establish yourself. Lord, you gave your son. It says, if he did not withhold his only begotten son, how much more will he not give you whatever you need in this situation, right? Establishing yourself in that and using that as an anchor point, using that as a, an avenue through which the power of God can flow in your situation. I have faith in the love God has for me. And I see that love because I look at Jesus I look what Jesus did for me. I look how he went to the cross for me. I look and see how he came to this earth and he was tempted in every way and he never sinned. He did that for me. He walked on this planet sin free. He never yielded to the temptations and the pressures. He 
presented himself spotless before God because God loves me. He did all of that for me so that the love of God could reach me. And if he did that, if, if God did that through Jesus for me, how much more will he help me in this situation? How much more will he help my children in this situation? How much more will he see us through in this financial battle? How much more will he? I'm, it's, I'm talking about trusting with your heart. You can't trust with your heart without knowing this truth about who God is. God is compassionate. So the power of God moves through the compassion that he has for you. Let's say this, God is love. Okay, if God is love, now I'm going to say the power of God. Say it, the power of God. But what is God? So the power of love. You need the power of God? No, you need the power of love. Because God is love. I'm, not, I'm talking about the spiritual definition of love who God is. God is full of compassion. You need the power of God. You need the power of love. So it's hard to receive the power of God if you don't believe in the love God has for you. It says, we have known and believed the love of God. We've known and believed the love of God. That faith in God's love for me is an anchor for my trust. So if we know him, we can trust him more. The more we know, the easier it is to trust. Why? Because I'm talking about spiritual knowledge, not head knowledge. My head's going to get the information, but it's going to come to my spirit as light. And I'm going to pull that light up and I'm going to renew my mind with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So trust is the connection that provides us to all that God has supplied. His provision, his protection, all of it is through this trust. Trust is the connector. Trust is that, that, that point where we, we hook up, we, we link ourselves to the provision of God's help. It says in Jeremiah 17, we'll close right here, Jeremiah 17, 7, it says, blessed. And I believe I'm reading the Amplified here I've got in my notes. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river. We're talking about the person who trusts God. The person who trusts God will not fear the heat when it comes. But the person who trusts God will have leaves that are green and moist. They will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. Why? Because they've connected. They've connected to the power of God through trusting in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To trust in God will require humility. Remember the develop humility and the love walk? 
You can't, proud, proud people don't trust well. If I'm demanding my way, and you're going to hear me, and you're going to do what I want, you're gonna, it's going to be my way. I want it to happen like this. It's going to be hard to trust God. Trusting is a position of the heart. I humble myself before you, Lord. I need your help. So I'm trusting in you, and I'm yielding myself to you. I'm humbling myself to you. I'm re- to rely on God, I'm not, I'm not forceful and pushing at my agenda. Because I'm, I'm looking. To, remember the seeking? Remember the digging? Right? I, I'm looking for what God has. I'm seeking for what God has. I'm not going to God and say, God, you got to do it my way. I want it to happen like this. No, that's not trust. That's not trust. So trust really begins with, Lord, I'm looking to you. Search me, O Lord. Search me, O Lord. You know, that's one of the greatest places to start. Search me, O Lord. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's that entry point of trust. Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. lift your hands to him right here tonight. Say this with me, Lord. You are my help. I look to you. I depend on you. I rely on you. Teach me your ways. Lead me in your paths. Open the eyes of my understanding. Show me your paths. Because I trust you. There was a time in my life that I had heard some teaching about destiny and about how to believe God for great things and you know God wants you to have this and God wants you to have that and I'd been going to God and I'd been saying Lord I want this and Lord I want that and Lord I want this and and I thought I was by faith reaching for things but I found out those weren't the things God had designed they looked good at the time but I look back now and I'm thankful God didn't give me what I was reaching for then But what really helped me is when I started saying, Lord, I delight myself in you and I want you to put the right desire in me so that I'm reaching for the right things. 
so that I'm not reaching for what seems good to my mind, what seems good to my thoughts, what I think you might want me to have because it looks good to me. I want what you want. And to do that, I had to start saying this, Lord, I trust you with my future. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my future. What you want, Lord, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in with your plan. And I began to talk to him about his plan. And I began to ask him about his plan. What do you want? Instead of me going telling him what I wanted, yeah, that's what I thought prayer was at first, you know, me going to God telling him what I wanted. But I found out it's a lot more effective if I go and I find out what he wants for me. Because what he wants for me is better than what I could pick for myself. And so instead of me going in and trying to force God to do or talk him into or coerce him in prayer to do all of the things I had in my heart, I started going in and, and, and yielding to him and talking to him. What do you want? What would you like to, what, what do you have for me? What's your plan for this area of my life? So just say this with me, just right now. Just say, Lord, I trust you. Your plan, what you've chosen, I'm all in. Lead me into your very best. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Father, I just pray tonight that as we have seen your nature on, on display, your character, your compassion, your goodness, your abundance of truth, your reliability, Lord, that we would establish that aspect of your character, faith in that aspect of your character in our hearts so that we can walk in a greater level of trusting you than we've walked in days past. In Jesus' name. Do you believe you can do that? Do you believe that in the days to come you can walk in a greater level of trusting in him? If, if that's your purpose, that's your desire, your purposed intent, I want to walk in a greater level of trusting in the Lord. It says, none of those who trust in him shall be desolate, disappointed, forsaken, condemned. Why? I'm trusting in the Lord. I was talking with pastor and sister Jeannie today. We were talking about how they heard from God over the years, different things, you know, because their example for me is the best example of accuracy in ministry. Not that they would say 
in themselves that they've been perfect at everything because they look back and they say, well, we would have done this or we would have done that. But for me, as one who is following their faith, they've been accurate to the plan of God. Accurate to do what God called them to do, not to do whatever seemed good or whatever other ministry was doing. They did what God told them to do and the way God told them to do it. And I was wanting to know when, when you had times that it felt like everything was going in against, how did you stand knowing you'd heard from God? I was asking different things along that line and Sister Jeannie took it back to trust. She said, I just knew, I just learned to trust him. If he told me, then I just stood on what he told me. And as she was explaining the different times that she had just trusted in the Lord, I began to see that I can trust God will help me. I I don't have to fear missing it if I'm trusting God will help me. Even if I'm not seeing it, God loves me too much to let me miss it. God loves me too much to let me miss. He'll get it across to me. He'll put it on the billboard. He'll write it on the wall. He'll, he'll let me know what I need to know if I'm trusting in him. Amen. I just got so much peace when it just came to me. I can just trust that he's going to get across what I need. If I'm trusting in him, I'm looking to him. Now see, that trust is a looking. That trust is a depending. That trust is a searching. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm not, I'm not just going out like, I got this. No, I'm trusting Him. I mean, for every aspect of this ministry, Pastor and I, in our own ability, we don't have all the answers, but we've got access to the one who has all the answers. So do you see how in every aspect of our life, we've got to trust in Him? Because we don't have it all. We don't know it all. We can't see it all from where we are, but he can. He knows the end from the beginning. And if we'll trust him and we'll seek him and we'll yield to him, he'll help us every step of the way. Aren't you thankful tonight? Stand with me to your feet. He's going to help us every step of the way. Every step of the way. God will help me. Say that. God will help me. I'm trusting in him. He'll help me. He'll help me. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord.